Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. But I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kermit Street episode 7. Another podcast. This will be America. The Air Force Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Monday, April 24th. 2023 people, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody's ready for what should be a really fun Monday show in a really fun week of shows here on the Aaron Torres Pod. Here's what you need to know about today's show. It is obviously draft week, but I think we're going to hold the draft talk until Wednesday. Should have my buddy Jason Silva from Betfred Sportsbook on to talk some props, to do some this, to do some that. Today, though, and oh, by the way, we'll obviously react to the opening round of the NFL draft on Friday. Today, though, I think the focus is on college football, college basketball, because a lot of stuff actually happened this weekend, okay? So spring football, no, we don't talk a ton of spring football, but two interesting storylines out of spring, really three, one at Colorado, one Nick Saban said something you better pay close attention to, and oh, by the way, speaking of saying something, DJ Uwe Laganlele, oh, he went off on Clemson, so we'll discuss all that. And then from there, quick break, come back, transfer portal was on fire on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Ryan Nemhard goes to Gonzaga. That is both interesting from the Gonzaga perspective, but also from the Arizona perspective, as there are a lot of people that are frustrated with Tommy Lloyd right now. We'll talk about big weekends for Nate Oates at Alabama. Uh, Tennessee and Rick Barnes had a great weekend. Uh, um, uh, North Carolina, Hubert Davis, on and on. Very interesting weekend in the transfer portal. Lot to get to. NFL draft later this week. Spring ball today. Transfer portal today. It's April, but this show ain't slowing down. Fun week ahead, as I just said. But that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, I, I know last Monday... I said that I just generally don't do a lot of spring football here on the Aaron Torres podcast because I don't feel like there's always like big picture stuff that we have to talk about. You go back to last Saturday, right? Uh, We had the USC spring game, Texas, Ohio State, Georgia. I really thought outside of Quinn Ewers officially being named starter, which I think everybody was expecting, didn't really feel like there was that much that came out of spring football a week ago. Well, fast forward. April 24th, 
And I actually thought there were two really interesting stories that came out of spring football over the last couple of days, which I want to spend the next few minutes discussing. And ironically, there are two topics that we actually hit on last week on the Aaron Torres pod. So let's start with the first one. Let's go to Boulder, Colorado, because I'll tell you this. Last Wednesday, we did kind of the look ahead to the fact that Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, his first spring game at Colorado was this coming Saturday, which obviously now has since passed. And so I bring it up because what I said on last Wednesday's show was pretty straightforward. I said, listen, I understand that this is a results-oriented win-loss business, but the fact remains Coach Prime was hired, I think, the first week of December. And I truly believe that you really could not ask much more from Coach Prime since he took this job about three and a half, four months ago. Saturday's spring game was completely sold out. 45,000 people at the spring game on Saturday. By the way, everybody on social media saw the time lapse from last year when they had 1,800 people compared to the 45,000 that they had on Saturday. And as we discussed on Wednesday's show, it wasn't just the spring game. The entire season ticket allotment for next year has been sold out. Oh, by the way, I was reading that they had uh, Colorado had a record-setting NIL event on Friday night in the lead-up to the spring game. Every hotel in a 10-mile radius was completely sold out. So the Coach Prime effect is already taking place at Colorado. And of course, again, I get it. It's a win-loss business. And what I would say as we look ahead to and look back on what happened at the spring game, what I would say is like, I get it, right? He's ultimately going to be judged by wins and losses. I would add, by the way, for everyone who's like, oh, show me what he does on Saturdays. Well, he did go 23-3 and in his last two years at Jackson State, but I get it. We can appreciate what he's already done while also acknowledging there is a lot of work to be done at a team for a team that was 1-11 last year. But why I bring it up, I want to spend just a few minutes talking about what I saw Saturday because what I can definitively tell you is this. Two things stood out watching that spring game. One, the show that Coach Prime puts on, oh, it was as good as advertised. But let me also say this. I thought the football was actually a little bit better than I thought it was going to be as well. So let's talk about it. Let's break it down. Let's start with that show. Because what I tell you, Coach Prime knows how to put on a production. This man was bored to be in front of a camera, okay? So again, we knew 45,000 people were going to be there on Saturday. None of us really knew what it was going to look like, though. It looked like the best party, uh, you know, outside of Vegas and Nashville and New Orleans this weekend, anywhere in the country. To me, watching that game, it didn't even feel like a spring game, right? We've all watched spring games. We've all watched spring games. It's it's very buttoned up. It's very serious. It's very professional. Georgia, Texas A&M, Alabama, whoever, Clemson. I've watched a lot of spring games in my day. I ain't never seen nothing like that. First of all, he brings that. First of all, it's snowing. It's snowing in April. And they had 45,000 people show up. He brings out that 98-year-old fan to kind of do the opening ceremonies of the thing. But watching the fans, I'll be honest, I had never really seen anything like it. It didn't look like a spring game. And it didn't really look like a fall football game either, right? Like like there's a, 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 a buttoned-up approach to spring games. And there's like a seriousness, do or die element of fall football. This, to me, it looked kind of like a music festival in the middle of the snow. Now, I'll be honest, I've never been to a music festival. Said many times, don't knock anybody who's done it. 
But this Coachella event just went on a few weeks ago here in Los Angeles. I'll tell you this. Can't think of anything I'd let, rather do less than stand in front of 40,000, 50,000, 100,000 people in the middle of a dirt field in the desert, okay? But that's kind of what I thought I saw with the Colorado spring game. People dancing, people screaming, people celebrating, people mugging for the cameras. It wasn't just about the football. It was about the experience. It was about being there. And this is what Coach Prime does. But at the same time, and I think this is the important part. Let me also say, I thought the football was actually much better than I was expecting. Now, this wasn't a full 11 on 11, you know, bring the man to the ground. But I thought the football overall was better than I was expecting on Saturday. First of all, let me say this. Shador Sanders is a dog, okay? Shador Sanders, I think anybody listening to this would know. He's Dion's son, came with him from Jackson State. This kid, it, it, there's no doubt in my mind, he is going to be a very good Power 5 quarterback this year. And that should not be surprising. If you know his background, he was a great high school quarterback. He was recruited by the best of the best, had offers from Alabama, offers from Tennessee, UCLA, committed to Florida Atlantic because there was a path to playing time there, and then obviously flipped when Coach Prime, his father, got the job at Jackson State. But this guy looks the part, man. This guy looks the part. 6'3", well-built, strong, smart. Uh, one thing that will not be lacking is wide receiver talent. We're going to get to that in a minute, but poised in the pocket, comfortable, knows when to run, knows when to throw, knows when to get rid of the ball, uh, had a rushing touchdown, had a couple beautiful passes, had a touchdown pass to Travis Hunter. I'll tell you, this guy looks the freaking part. Again, shouldn't be surprised. 70-plus percent completion percentage last year at Jackson State. 12-1 and one overall as a starting quarterback. He looked very comfortable in that pocket. Beyond that, the other thing that stood out, I think that offense is going to give some people fits this year. Now, I get it. There's a lot that has to be figured out between now and, and Labor Day weekend. I'm not sitting here telling you they're going to go 14-0 and beat Georgia in the playoff. That's not going to happen. I get that. But if you watch the game, you know what I saw? Well-coached, well-organized. Shador is a dog at quarterback. But then also, the ski, like it, it's just it's a very smart thing that's going on at Colorado. And it's interesting because I think everybody in the media, and I include myself in this, we all focused on the coach prime, the antics, the excitement, and even some of the recruitment. Bringing Shador Sanders, bringing Travis Hunter, the former five-star, getting Cormani McLean, the other five-star to commit. One thing that I do think got lost in all of everything that Coach Prime did when he got to Colorado, he made a really smart hire at the offensive coordinator position. His offensive coordinator is a guy named Sean Lewis. Sean Lewis was actually the head coach at Kent State, was a, a name that got floated around for a number of different jobs as head coaching jobs at the Power Five level doesn't get one, and Coach Prime convinces him to come to be the offensive coordinator. Well, this guy runs an up-tempo scheme that has pretty much given everybody fits, okay? Kent State, believe it or not, scored 22 points against Georgia last year when they played him. You know who, you know, Kent State outscored, like, like Kent State put up more points last year, and Kent State, again, their offensive court, their head coach is now the offensive coordinator at Colorado. Kent State against Georgia. Scored more points than Tennessee did. Remember them? Tennessee, Josh Heupel, Hendon Hooker. More points than Oregon. More points than Kentucky. More points than TCU at the national championship game. So they're going to run an up-tempo offense with a very smart quarterback. And in that elevation of Colorado, 
I think they're going to be able to wear down defenses and put up points. Now, we're going to talk about some of the deficiencies in a second, but that offense looked really sharp. Lastly, I would also say, skill position is not going to be a problem. Now, offensive line, defense, we're going to discuss. That might be where the concerns come in, but wide receiver and running back, they're set. First off, Travis Hunter, this was the kid, remember, number one player in America two years ago, commits to Coach Prime at Colorado or at Jackson State, excuse me, goes there for a year. And the reason he committed to Coach Prime was a number of different reasons. But one, Coach Prime promised him, we're going to give you the opportunity to play both ways. Well, he played both ways on Saturday, looked like the best wide receiver on the field. Now, as a cornerback, he actually got burned for a touchdown by a walk-on, which was the talk of the of the game itself. Uh, and I think they were it was more of a ribbing than it was like a serious, this is a concern type thing. But I just bring it up because he was the best athlete on the field by a mile. Um, you know, a couple other newer guys to the program looked really good. Uh, Dylan Edwards, a five-star fre- or four-star freshman, really uh, looked pretty good in limited touches. The kid Montana Lamonius Craig, that was uh, RG3's favorite guy at this game, looked really good at wide receiver. He was the one, if you saw the highlights, he had the deep touchdown catch from Shadour. So I just bring it up to say, I believe everybody was excited about the show on Saturday. A lot of people had some questions about the football, though. And I'm here to tell you the football looked better than I think I personally expected. Now, I would add, and I do think this is important, and it's worth noting, there's still major holes. This is still a team that went 1-11. and And again, I'm not here to tell you, go to Vegas and bet everything on Colorado to hit the over in their win total to make the college football playoff to win the Pac-12. I'm not saying any of that. Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of work to be done on this roster. Offensive line needs work. Defense definitely needs work. Coach Prime was very vocal at that spring game. He said he believes eight of their potential starters are not yet on campus. A couple of them are either coming in the the fall already, whether it's through the recruiting class, through the transfer portal class, or he's got to go find them in the portal this spring. So I'm not here to say they're doing anything special. And I would add that schedule is really, really, really tough. Um, How about this for an opening schedule? They open at TCU. Remember, not sure if you watched college football playoff last year. TCU was the national runner-up. Now, they lost a lot, Max Duggan, et cetera, but they're still going to be tough. Then you play Nebraska Week 2 at home. Colorado State, how about this? You open Pac-12 play at Oregon, USC at home. So before October 1, at TCU, Nebraska at home, at Oregon, USC at home. That is a tough start, and it is going to be a challenge. But I'm telling you, I was very impressed by this group, and I was very impressed by how Colorado looked in their debut on national TV on Saturday. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break, come back, and when we come back, we're going to hit on the other big topic in college football on Saturday, Nick Saban. He had some very interesting comments, if you paid close attention. Nick Saban, he tells you what he wants you to know, and it sounds like he's not very happy with the quarterback position. We're going to take a quick break, discuss all that next. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook in the Betfred Sportsbook app. The NBA playoffs are here and nobody has you covered quite like Betfred. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,200 shops in the UK. They have since come to the United States and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres podcast and all things Aaron Torres media, but also the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And what I love about Betfred Sportsbook is that nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. You've seen the Betfred Sportsbook suite at Bengals games. It is hopping. We have sent listeners of this show to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitches at Colorado Rockies games. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred Sportsbook does. And here is what they are doing for the NBA playoffs. How about this for a deal? Bet $50 on any game. All playoffs long, get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Bet $50 on any game you automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, here is what else Betfred does for you. They're going to give you up to $200 in insurance for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So maybe you make a bad pick. We all do. We've all been there. Trust me. You followed my picks in March Madness. It happens. So you bet $200, does not work out. Get $200 insurance for the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer equating up to $1,111 in free bets thanks to Betfred. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred does. Love working with them. They are the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod. Tell them Torres sent you. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app right now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Do want to switch gears. And this is what I want to do right now. So, so obviously, look, first of all, busy week here on the Aaron Torres pod. Um, we're going to do draft stuff on Wednesday. We're certainly going to do draft stuff on Friday. And we got some college hoops portal stuff to hit on to end the show. But I do want to talk more college football. Because as I said to lead the show, thought there were really two topics that we discussed last week here on the Aaron Torres pod that we sort of started to get a little bit of a resolution on or at least an update on over the course of the weekend. The first Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, Colorado Spring game we just discussed. But the other one, if you go back to Friday's show, we talked a lot about 
this kid, Tyler Van Dyke, Miami starting quarterback, and the report that he was not happy with the NIL situation at Miami, that he could hit the portal, and that Alabama was projected as a potential landing spot for this kid should he hit the portal. Now, I bring it up because since Friday, we got a few updates. One, Tyler Van Dyke's camp said he's not going anywhere. He's staying at Miami, all about the U, blah, 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 whatever. So that gets shot down immediately. It really was, as I said on Friday's show, I said, listen, I think this is a renegotiation ploy. This is what we have to expect in April and May going forward in the NIL world. I said it. It's renegotiation season. A lot of guys are going to enter the portal or use the threat of entering the portal as leverage to get what they want in NIL. That's exactly what it ended up being, and it appears as though Tyler Van Dyke isn't going anywhere. But why I bring it up is it doesn't really change the fact that Tyler Van Dyke was linked to Alabama for a pretty straightforward reason. It's that we don't really know what Alabama's quarterback situation is going into fall camp. Four guys competing for the job, two true freshmen who just enrolled this spring, and then also Jalen Milrow, who started a game or two when Bryce Young got hurt last year, and Ty Simpson, a five-star redshirt freshman who didn't play uh, significant snaps a year ago. And so while the Tyler Van Dyke element of the story isn't true, it doesn't change the fact that Alabama is very much searching for its next quarterback. And unlike in previous years, the next guy does not appear to be obviously in line like it was when Mac Jones left and Bryce Young was ready to take the job two years ago. And so I bring it up because on Saturday, Alabama had its A-Day spring game. And a couple very interesting things happened as it pertained to this specific topic. One, the quarterbacks did not look very good. And two, Nick Saban had some very interesting comments when it came to the quarterback position and the transfer portal. So let's break it all down right now. Now, like I said, uh, two quarterbacks really vying for the spot. I don't think either freshman is going to be a significant contributor this year. Uh, But Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson were kind of the stars of the show on Saturday. What everybody came out to Bryant-Denny Stadium to see, you know, Alabama actually had more people at their spring game than Colorado did. Not really a surprise, considering Alabama's awesome, and they've been awesome since Nick Saban took over the job. But Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson were the stars and the focal point of the spring game, and it did not go very well. Here are the final stats from that spring game. Jalen Milrow, 19 of 37. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. Ty Simpson, 12 of 26 for 155 yards. I believe it was one touchdown, one interception for him. And so I bring it up because, listen, there were a number of factors. One, you're playing against really good competition. Two, um, you know, I talked to some buddies that were there. They told me, you know, there's some drop passes here, you know, backup offensive line late in the game, some tip balls, whatever. So, It's not to say that it was like the worst thing that has ever happened in the worst display of football that has ever happened in the history of the sport. At the same time, though, Nick Saban was asked about transfer quarterbacks after the A-Day game, the spring game, and gave some very interesting answers and some very interesting quotes about the situation that I want to discuss now because I think it's worth diving into and I think it's worth dissecting what Nick Saban said. So the question specifically came from a reporter about how much easier it is to potentially break in a quarterback who has already been in the program versus all these other schools that are now bringing in transfer quarterbacks, right? So you think across college football, Ole Miss has two new transfer quarterbacks in the system. 
Um, you know, whatever. I, I, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. Uh, Florida's got a couple transfers. Um, whatever. South, uh, Kentucky obviously has Devin Leary transfer from NC State. So Nick Saban's asked about the difference between a guy that's already been in the system versus a guy that is being a transfer. And here is what Nick Saban had to say. Listen closely, because I think it's very interesting. He said, I think the people that have been in the program obviously have an advantage to some degree. They know the system. They've had a lot of reps in the system. But I also think everybody has to ask themselves at whatever position you play, are you playing winning football at that position? And can you play winning football at that position? And I think that's the better answer question to answer. What can who can do that best? In other words, who can play winning football? And those are evaluations that we have to make as coaches at every position. We've tried to build this program with guys that we recruit and people in the program, but we've had a few guys that have come in and made real impacts on this team. And if we see an opportunity to do that, we're always looking for an opportunity to make our team better. That was the quote. And let me just say this on the one hand, Could mean absolutely positively nothing. Hey, we're always looking to get better at every single position. Or if you have followed Nick Saban for the last 15 years and you know that he takes every media opportunity to talk about, to send a message and talk about his team and deliver a message to his team through the media, you could interpret those quotes a little bit different. Now, in terms of if you don't want to be overreactionary person, hot take guy, and I don't think I'm a hot take guy. I think I just try to dig deep and think about it. You can look at those quotes and just say, he's sending a message to everyone on his team. He specifically did not mention the quarterback position. He said, everybody at whatever position you play has to ask yourself, are you playing winning football at that position? So you could absolutely take that quote, interpret that quote, and say, That could be a message to the left guard. That could be a message to the strong side safety. That could be a message to the middle linebacker. That could be a message to whomever. It doesn't necessarily have to be a message to the quarterback. And I don't know that I necessarily would disagree with that. I think that's any program in college football, college basketball this time of year. Listen, we love you. We recruited you. We went into your home. We want to see you succeed. This was the vision that we laid out for you. But if you're not willing to put in the work, There's always somebody that's willing to come in and take your job. So if that's how you interpret the message, I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong, criticize you, anything like that. But at the same time, I actually take it a little bit differently. Let me explain why. Because, and we have talked about this a lot on this show before. If you have followed Nick Saban's career to any degree since he got the Alabama job and even before that, I would argue that there isn't a coach in sports, a coach in any sport anywhere that is better than sending a message to his team. And sometimes it's specific players. Sometimes it's whatever than Nick Saban. And so when I look at that message, remember, he wasn't asked about every position plugging in players from the portal versus players in your program. He was asked specifically about the quarterbacks. And while he gave the broad 30,000, anybody can be replaced speech. I think there's something to Alabama might be shopping for quarterbacks in in the spring. And the reasons why are pretty simple. One, quarterbacks weren't that good. 
Like if Jalen Milrow goes 24 of 28 for 374 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions, then Nick Saban probably answers that question differently. Same if it was Ty Simpson, same if it was one of the freshmen. Two, and I think this part is important to me. If, again, remember what the question was, players from the portal versus players in the program. If Nick Saban was totally 100% happy with the play of his quarterbacks, don't you think there is a way that he can say, hey, everybody's got to play winning football while also letting the world know that he's happy with the quarterback position? I'm going to use Nick Saban's own quotes to do exactly that. He said, this is really what he said. He said, everybody has to ask themselves at whatever position you play, are you playing winning football at that position? So Nick Saban could have easily said, listen, you know our mantra here in Tuscaloosa. Are you playing winning football at any position, whatever you are? Are you playing winning football? And can you play winning football at that position? And then he could have continued with something like, you know, the quarterbacks weren't great today, but we have the highest level of confidence that the guys that we have in this locker room can play winning football at the highest level. And we believe in the guys in this locker room. They need to be better than today, but we know that they can do that. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. And again, dig deeper into these quotes. First off, he said, I think the people in the program have an advantage to some degree. In other words, yeah, you got a little bit of an advantage, but it doesn't mean that we can't go out there and replace you if you're not good enough. Two, he could have said something that took the heat off the quarterback room, and he didn't. He could have said, we need to play championship football at every position. Quarterbacks weren't the best today, but I feel great about them going into the spring, into the summer, and I know they're going to come out into fall camp ready to go. He did not say that. And finally, here is my other thought about this whole situation. Again, remember, he was asked about the quarterback position. Again, remember, Nick Saban ain't dumb, and he knows that no matter what he says is going to be a headline, and he also knows that the quarterback position is the biggest headline going into the summer. And so especially in the portal era where guys can just get up and leave, if he was totally happy with this, he would have said something to that effect, knowing that it's going to linger. He would have said something about, you know, can't wait to see how they develop over the course of the spring and summer. I think both are good enough to start for us today and we'll figure out who number one is going into. There's a million ways he could have delivered it. And I think the fact that he knows that this is the biggest story, this is the biggest headline, no matter what he says, we're going to overanalyze it. He would have handled it different if he truly believed that the right quarterback was definitively in that room. Now, does it mean Alabama's taking a quarterback? How, no matter what, I don't believe that. I think they're going to look at their options. They're going to see what enters the portal. They're going to see maybe I'm not accusing them of anything, but we all know a lot of times guys can be coerced to go into the portal. Now it's worth noting in the spring players in the sec cannot transfer to other spots. So that's important because a backup, say Brock Vandegrift at Georgia, he can't just enter the portal and go to Alabama or enter the portal and go to Auburn. Um, you know, whoever, if there's a, a an elite backup at Tennessee or Texas A&M, you know, Max Johnson can't just go into the portal of Texas A&M and go to Alabama tomorrow. So it's interesting. LSU, by the way, has a couple starting quarterback caliber quarterbacks as well. So it's interesting to think about. And it's interesting for me because a lot of different things can happen. 
I don't think they necessarily have their eyes on one guy, but I think they're going to see what enters that portal. And I think they're going to see, can we bring in somebody that can compete or somebody that's better? Doesn't mean they will, but Nick Saban didn't ex- exactly shoot down the rumor that they might be shopping around to try. So it's something to keep an eye on. It is very interesting, but Nick Saban, not exactly quieting the rumors that Alabama could be in the market for another quarterback this spring. I just want to do take a quick break, come back. Final segment will be on the college hoops transfer portal. Crazy weekend. Ryan Nemhart goes to Gonzaga. That's very interesting, not only from the Gonzaga perspective, but from Arizona, the school that he chose Gonzaga over. Discuss that. Big weekend. Speaking of Alabama for the Crimson Tide, big weekend for Tennessee. Big weekend for North Carolina. Going to take a quick break, discuss all that next. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Going to be back, going to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap with a little bit of College Hoops Transfer Portal news and notes. So here is the deal. First of all, crazy weekend in the portal, like absurd weekend in the portal. Um, But it's wild how quickly this stuff ramps up and then dies down. Uh, Two, three weeks ago, I think this was all anybody was talking about. But now for the most part, especially after this weekend, it feels like most of the big transfer portal activity is done. Hunter Dickinson is still in, you know, as I'm recording here, Max Aismas is still in. Maybe that changes in the next 24 hours. But basically everybody else is out. I I went back and looked. My most recent update of best players in the portal, I think it was nine of the top 15 players as of like Wednesday of last week have officially committed. And so what I want to do is just kind of give you some news and notes, some thoughts. I thought it was a great weekend for really four schools in specific. Gonzaga, Tennessee, Alabama, North Carolina, and it was a really bad weekend for one, Arizona. So let's talk about it, and let's start. uh, Friday was a a very busy day, especially for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And if you've been listening to this show at all, you know that I, I don't know that I've been critical of Gonzaga as much as I've been concerned about Gonzaga. This is a program. I know everybody's got their opinions on them, but listen, bottom line is this. 2019. Made the Elite Eight, number one seed, good enough to win a national championship. 2020, if there had been a tournament, they would have been a number one seed. 2021, best team in college basketball until the national championship game. They lose to Baylor. 2022, they're the number one overall seed in the tournament. And so after that run, they definitely took a dip this year. And you started to look at that roster for 2023-2024 without Drew Timmy. 
potentially without Julian Strother. And he started to say, like, is this the end for Gonzaga? Well, much like the gift from Braveheart, where I think it's Mel Gibson is basically, you know, he's got the sword up ready to take on the charging army. That was basically Mark Few on Friday as he got not one, but two big-time portal commits. The first one, Graham E.K., Six foot eleven center, 19 and a half points per game, nine and a half rebounds two years ago at Wyoming, missed all of last season with injury. He commits to Gonzaga. And then, oh, by the way, the big one, Ryan Nemhard, starting point guard from Creighton, 12 and a half points per game, four rebounds, five assists. He also commits to Gonzaga. So credit Mark Few. Let's talk about these commitments. First of all, Graham E.K., he's the one I'm guessing a lot of you probably don't know about. He is a really good college basketball player. Six foot nine. He's not perfect. If he was, he'd be in the NBA, but he's kind of in that Oscar Shibwe, Adama Sonogo mode, plays really hard, really physical, really aggressive, really tough, really whatever. Two years ago at Wyoming, don't forget, that was an NCAA tournament team. Wyoming went to the NCAA tournament. They were an 11 seed, lost in the play-in round, the, 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 the first four round to Indiana. Grammy K was the best player on that team. 19 points, nine rebounds per game. Unfortunately, this year he got hurt, did not play at all this year. But this is the kind of kid that I think, especially at Gonzaga, is going to have a huge impact. In a lot of ways, he's almost like Drew Timmy. Now, no one's Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy's quite literally one of the best college basketball players of this century, the last 20 years, easily. But Grammy K is a guy. You can plug him down low. You can dump him the ball. He's going to get you buckets. He's creative around the rim. He's going to score. And again, the way Gonzaga plays, they don't play a bunch of big guys. It's not the John Calipari we're playing two seven-footers. He just feels like the perfect piece to kind of run offense around. He's very creative with the ball. think he's going to be a very natural fit. The big one, though, is Ryan Nemhart. And we've talked about Ryan Nemhart since the day he entered the portal. But I would argue that outside Hunter Dickinson, this is probably the best player to enter the portal this entire offseason. Keep in mind, he is at a Big East school, Power Six Conference, a team that has made back-to-back NCAA tournaments. And the day that he stepped on campus as a freshman, Greg McDermott handed him the ball and said, go be my starting point guard. Two years ago, he was playing excellent, unfortunately got hurt late in the year, comes back this year and was phenomenal. Like I said, 12 and a half points, four rebounds, five assists in the Big East. Now, he got a little bit overshadowed because UConn made its run. Marquette was great in the regular season. Tyler Kolick wins Big East Player of the Year. I don't know how many point guards in college basketball you're taking over him. And I know for a fact, like, Creighton was crushed when this guy decided to leave. Now, they moved on. They did a good job grabbing Steve Ashworth, the guard from Utah State. But this was the guy that they were planning on building around. 30 points per game against Baylor in the NCAA tournament this year. And so now he goes to Gonzaga. And I think he has a chance to be one of the best players in college basketball next year. First of all, keep in mind, um, you know, his brother, Andrew went to Gonzaga and immediately became, well, not immediately, but his second year became a star ends up being an NBA draft pick. And that is probably why Ryan Nemhard, his younger brother ends up there, saw what Gonzaga did for his brother Gonzaga, I know for a fact, really sold him on it. He said, I can go there and be a star. So he's there. Graham EK's there. And now all of a sudden, the out- outlook for Gonzaga looks a lot better. Now, I, 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 they're still, to be clear, they're still not at that elite national championship contender status, I don't believe. And if you tell me in two years or five years or 10 years that Gonzaga missed its best window to win a national championship, it wouldn't shock me at all. 
It's really hard to have a team good enough every single year, year after year after year. And I do think there's an element of, you know, they, they're now, to me, a lot like every other program. When Tommy Lloyd was there, it's worth noting, they had that great balance of they had high school players that they developed over a two, three, four-year period. Corey Kispert was one. He's now in the NBA. Um, you know, whoever, it doesn't matter. They had those great international players. Rui Hachimura, who's playing for the Lakers right now. Zach Collins, who's in the NBA. He's not an international, but you get the point. Had the great international players, DeMontis Sabonis, who's playing for the Lakers. Remember, Sabonis play, or playing for the Kings. Sabonis played for Gonzaga. Rui Hachimura played for Gonzaga. Corey Kispert played for Gonzaga. Zach Collins, on and on. But I bring it up because I do wonder if those glory days Gonzaga teams are gone. The teams that had the balance of the high school players that got developed, the international players, and the one-and-done guys, like a Chet Holmgren, like a Jalen Suggs, that era might be done. And, and, and I do wonder if, as I said a minute ago, Gonzaga has missed its best chance to win a national championship. Doesn't change the fact, though, that, listen, everybody is adjusting on the fly in this new portal world, and everybody's just trying to put together a roster good enough to compete at the highest level. Is Gonzaga like a top two, top three, top five team going into next year? Unless they make major changes, probably not. But do they have a team that's good enough to keep them towards the top of the sport, keep that streak of whatever it is, eight straight years, making the second weekend of the tournament or beyond? Absolutely. And so credit Mark Few still think they're probably hoping on Julian Strother to come back, junior uh, player who has another year of eligibility. But. Right now, this team is much improved than it was a week ago, and I feel a lot better about them. Really quickly, though, while it's very while, while you got to feel good about Gonzaga, about uh, the Gonzaga element of things, there was a very interesting side story that is worth discussing more, and that is the team that Ryan Nemhard chose Gonzaga over. And if you remember the day Ryan Nemhard entered the transfer portal, I can tell you this on great authority. You can go back and listen to the show that I did. But when Ryan Nemhard entered the transfer portal, it was almost a foregone conclusion that he was going to Arizona. It was a foregone conclusion. I had somebody tell me straight up, it's already done. He's going to go through the process, you know, so he doesn't doesn't look suspicious. But Gonzaga's where he or, or Arizona's where he wants to be. Tommy Lloyd was the one that recruited him to Gonzaga. Tommy Lloyd and the family have a great relationship. He's going to Arizona. And so for Arizona fans, really this whole offseason was built around, yeah, we're going to lose a guy or two in the portal. Yeah, things are going to look different, but we're going to get a couple guys back and we're going to have Ryan Nemhard, and that's going to be the start of the transfer portal cycle. Well, on Friday, not only Arizona did not get Ryan Nemhard, and for the first time in his regime, I am here to tell you, Arizona fans are starting to question Tommy Lloyd. And is that fair? Is it not fair? I don't know, but that's the bottom line. And what's interesting is, I'll tell you this, you know, as, as this whole thing unfolded, what I go back to is the day that Arizona lost as a two seed to Princeton in the NCAA tournament. Sorry, Arizona fans, to bring it up, but we got to discuss it. I bring it up because when Arizona lost to Princeton, I'll be honest, I was in general shocked at how little heat Tommy Lloyd took for that loss. Now, keep in mind, it had been kind of a, a yellow brick road to that point. He takes over. Sean Miller completely leaves the cupboard full. But as I've said many times on this show, 
as good as the talent was that Sean Miller left, I don't think he could have gotten as much in the 2021-2022 season out of that group as Tommy Lloyd did. Number one seed, I think they finished 33-4, and four, losing the Sweet 16, Ben Matherin, Dalen Terry, Christian Coloco, Tubelis, Kerr, Kreisa, et cetera. This year, they lose a lot of those guys, but when they lost in the NCAA tournament, I was kind of blown away at how everyone else seemed to take the arrows other than Tommy Lloyd. And that's not to say, by the way, be clear, that's not to say Tommy Lloyd's a bad coach, he's overrated, He's that's not what I'm here to say at all. But at the same time, what I can tell you definitively is this. When they lost to Princeton, I didn't hear a peep about shame on Tommy Lloyd, this, that, the other thing. It was, it's Kirk Reese's fault. Tubelis is really good, but he's soft in those big moments. These are the things that I heard from Arizona people, fans, people that cover the team. Well, on Friday, it officially went from everybody else's fault to Tommy Lloyd's fault. And now he has a lot of questions to ask and answer. Because the bottom line is this. One, all of Sean Miller's players are gone. Ben Matherin got drafted, balled out in the NBA. Dalen Terry got drafted. Christian Coloco got drafted. Tubelis is going pro. Kirk Reese a transfer. So this is now entirely his program. But here's the other thing. As I said a minute ago, this entire offseason was built around the idea, well, you know, doesn't matter who leaves, we're getting Ryan Nemhard, and then we're going to roll from there. And so to lose him, to lose him to your biggest rival, people are starting to question who Tommy Lloyd is and can he close on the recruiting trail, and more importantly, even how he puts together his roster. For people who don't follow this on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis, I think the criticism of Tommy Lloyd is, at least publicly, he casts a very narrow net. He's not... Certainly not Eric Musselman offering 30, 40, 50 players in the portal, or I I don't even want to say that about Coach Musk, reaching out to 30, 40, 50, 70, 80 players in the portal. Now, Arkansas, whoever doesn't offer all those guys, but but Arkansas reaches out to everybody. And the criticism at Arizona right now is we're not casting a wide enough net. We're narrowing in on too many guys, and then when they have other options, we're screwed. We don't have a backup plan. And it kind of happened last year. Now, Arizona rallied. They got Courtney Ramey, who I thought would be a good fit. Sort of worked out, sort of didn't. Cedric Cedric Henderson sort of worked out, sort of didn't. But now you fast forward, and it's just interesting because right now, I don't even know if Arizona has a starting five. Tylen Boswell's a really good college point guard. Umar Balo, fifth-year senior, transferred with Tommy Lloyd from Gonzaga, appears like he's coming back. And um, Pella Larson, a wing is going to be coming back as well. And there's a few younger guys that were on the bench. I'm sarcastic when I'm saying that they don't have a starting five. But you look at that roster right now. It's not really a top 25 roster right now. And the problem is you put all your eggs into that Ryan Nemhard basket. There's not a lot of guys left in the transfer portal. Um, Ryan Nemhard's gone. A kid named Latrell Reitzel, who we're about to talk about in a minute, he was supposed to take a visit to Arizona. He he cancels that visit and commits this weekend to another school. And so, listen, I'm not going to give up on Tommy Lloyd. I believe in him. But as Arizona fans are saying, I think it's fair to start asking questions. Why are so few kids being offered? Why are so few kids being pursued? And is there an adequate backup plan when you don't get them? We're going to find out a lot about Tommy Lloyd, a lot about this staff in the coming days, weeks, and months. Because at the end of the day, right now, there just is not very much on this roster. Let's go through some other news and notes from the portal. Um, First of all, 
did an extended video on this on YouTube. So go ahead and check it out. But on Saturday, really big commitment in the ACC. My main man, Hubert Davis. Me and Hubert Davis have been through a lot, right? Didn't love the hire. Criticized him early. Took the L when he made the Final Four. Then kind of have been defending him since. Well, he had a disastrous year. Missed the NCAA tournament. All of that. But I'll give credit to Hubert Davis where I can. He has done about as good of a job as you can possibly do in the portal coming off of a season where you don't make the NCAA tournament. They have added four impact players. The most notable one came on Saturday when Harrison Ingram, forward from Stanford, committed to North Carolina, former McDonald's All-American, six foot seven forward, ten and a half points per game. Now, why I like this fit is a couple things. One, North Carolina just needs dudes, but two, What I really like is the pieces that Hubert Davis has brought into this program. As I've said many times, it appears as though the North Carolina talking point coming out of the spring is the 2023 season. We're blaming everything on Caleb Love, okay? Caleb Love, basically, for people who don't remember, was basically told, you know, you're not really welcome back. Like, it was a mutual agreement for him to leave. Baycott comes back. R.J. Davis comes back. And they've added four really nice pieces out of the portal. Um, uh, they added, first of all, Paxson Wojcik, six foot six guard from the Ivy League, really good three point shooter. They need shooting, they need spacing around RJ Davis. Cormac Ryan, 12 and a half points per game at Notre Dame, really good shooter. Jalen Withers, kind of a big four man out of Louisville. But Harrison Ingram's the guy that they needed because he's a guy that's a true wing. I think he's versatile enough where he can play the four in some big lineups. He can play the three in smaller lineups, but he's kind of that that Swiss Army knife that can do it all. Need an open jumper? No, he wasn't a great shooter, but I think it'll be better with more talent around him. Need him to attack the rim? I think he'll do that. Again, I think he is going to be very good at North Carolina. This was an important win for Hubert Davis because that was the one spot they did not have talent uh, on the wing spot. They get it. And now what will be interesting from here is if there's one more move left for Carolina, do they still pursue Mackenzie and Baco, the five-star who was committed to Duke? Do they pursue um, more players in the portal? Or they have two really good guards that are in the class of 2024. Does one of them reclassify? Rumors are Elliot Cadeau, five-star guard, is seriously considering it. Ian Jackson, we talked about when he committed a few months ago. So keep an eye on that. But I'll tell you, you know, much like Gonzaga, when I do my updated top 25, probably going to have to move North Carolina into the top 15. They're looking really, really, really good right now. A couple of our teams that had big weekends. One, Alabama. Credit Nate Oates. Like Nate Oates, listen, happened in the regular season. We've talked about it. In the offseason, though, this guy lost all three play, all three of his assistant coaches to head coaching opportunities. And so why I bring that up, This man has been a one-man portal machine attacking the portal because he really has no choice. So he's starting to fill out his staff, but it's taken a little bit longer at Alabama. I think he's done a really good job, though. Right now, they have three players that are currently testing the NBA draft waters. Javon Quinterly, Mark Mark Spears. I almost called him Marcus Spears. Who's the? Oh, Mark Sears. Mark Spears is the NBA beat writer. Mark Sears is is the Alabama basketball player. Charles Bediaco is the third guy. So we don't know exactly what Alabama's roster looks like, but they needed help in the backcourt, and they got not one, but two big commitments this weekend. The first one, 
Aaron Estrada, 20 points per game, played at Hofstra, was the two-time Colonial Athletic Player of the Year. He's an Alabama guard. He gets buckets. He can attack. He can score. He shoots about 39% from the three. That is an Alabama guard if I've ever heard one. Now, it's worth noting, he played one year at Oregon, did not contribute much, and so I don't think he's going to be a star at the SEC level. But can he get you 10 to 12? Can he get you buckets when he's the third guard? I think he can. And then the second guy is the one I just mentioned with Arizona, Latrell Reitzel. A very talented kind of big guard slash wing, six, six foot five or so, 16 and a half points per game. It's funny. I'll just say this. He came from Cal State Fullerton. Fullerton's about probably 40 minutes from where I live. I bring it up because I kind of know his backstory well. And the Fullerton staff, you want to talk about the new era of college basketball. They kind of sold him on, hey, we think you're being under-recruited. Come here, ball out for us, and in in two years, if you think you're as good as we think you are, we're going to encourage you to enter the transfer portal, encourage you to go to the high major level, and that's exactly what happened. Year two, 16.5 points per game, ends up hitting the portal, ends up getting offers from Alabama, Arizona, Nebraska. He's from Omaha, commits to Alabama. Alabama like North Carolina, like Gonzaga. They're going to be in that top 15. Alabama already was at about 13. They're going to have to be a top 10 team the next time I update my poll. Finally, talk about a team that's made a jump. How about Big Rick Energy, but I'm not talking about Rick Pitino. talking about my main man, Rick Barnes. So we talked about him last week. They picked up two big commitments out of the portal. Jordan Ganey, shooter, Chris Ledlam Ford from Harvard. And then Santiago Vescovi came back. But that pales in comparison to what they did on Friday. Dalton Connect, maybe the best wing in the portal. You know, Harrison Ingram was probably better. But this was a kid who averaged 20 points per game at Northern Colorado. I think he's one of the best players in the portal this offseason. And it was reflected in who recruited him. North Carolina wanted him. Kentucky reached out to him. Indiana wanted him. Dalton Connect committed to Tennessee on Friday afternoon. And I got to tell you, this to me, he's the exact guy that Tennessee needed this year. A guy, you know, six foot seven, six foot eight, can get buckets. What's the thing with Tennessee? They play great defense, but they don't score enough. Well, now you got Sakai Ziegler, you got Jordan Ganey who can hit buckets, you got Santiago Vescovi who can get buckets, Dalton Connect. This Tennessee team has a chance to be a very good team again next year. Now, I know, I know, everyone's going to, well, Rick Barnes always in the tournament. Well, just remember, this was a team, you could criticize them if you want. They lost to Florida Atlantic, but they made the Sweet 16, and that was without their starting point guard, Sakai Ziegler. Really excited to see what this team looks like next year, and I really think Dalton Connect was the guy that they needed. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. Uh, yeah. It's time for me to get out of here. A lot of good stuff on today's show, but it is time for me to go. Did not mean to rhyme when I said that. All right. It's definitely time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Do me a favor. If you don't mind, make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram. 
Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. It is, as I said, time for me to get out of here. Thank you all for your support. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F head. Unblock me, bro. Let's talk, buddy. I'll be back Wednesday. New episode. The Aaron Torres Pop. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.